Yes, last week we talked about this principle that what you're full of comes out under stress, under pressure. We saw Stephen. The Scriptures described him as being full of grace and wisdom and peace and the Holy Spirit. And then we saw his execution in the next chapter. And what he was full of, the Bible described, is absolutely what came out under that stress. And the point I want you to see as we begin this new year is what you fill your life up with, brothers and sisters, is what's going to come up, come out if you fill your life with bitterness and unforgiveness, if you fill your life with negativity, if you fill your life with anxiety. When, when life's pressure comes and you're squeezed, it's coming out. But on the other hand, if you fill your life with incredible positive thoughts about God, if you fill your life with peace from the Holy Spirit, if you fill your life with Jesus, then when life comes and it squeezes you, and Jesus says it will, I mean, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't say you might have trouble. He says you will have trouble. And if you fill it with the right things, the right things come out. You see, we've seen this in our, our country over just the last few days. How many of you saw that football game last Sunday night where that young man was hit and laid almost dead on the field? We just sort of flipped the channel over there. It was an amazing sight and the love that was pouring out. But what really, really encouraged me this week was the man who just broke out on ESPN in prayer, Darren Orlovsky. Can we give this man a hand even if he's not here? I mean, here's a guy just, just on ESPN who just says to his co-anchors, let's, let's pray. And what a prayer he led. I've got a really good friend that works at ESPN. I guarantee you that's not what ESPN wanted him to do. He's being extremely politically correct. And yet, when I see that man, he couldn't help it. He was so full of God and so full of compassion for what had happened that it, it just flowed out of him. And guys, that's our goal today is how do we fill our lives with God? And that's what we're going to talk about for a while. I want you to look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, and hear what the Apostle Paul said about this. He said, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas in old wives' tales. Those things don't fill you guys. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Here's what Paul says, guys. Physical training is a good thing. I don't know if you've been at the gym this week, but here's the way the gyms around town have looked. I mean, they're just packed. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to find a machine because so many of us, the first of the year, we, we set these physical goals. And Paul would even acknowledge that and say, that's not a bad thing. But Paul would say that doesn't compare to spiritual exercise. In fact, as you read this passage, the word here for training is the word we get the word gymnasium. He's talking about going to the spiritual gym to grow stronger. And one thing I think is really critical before you hear everything I'm going to say today is the Apostle Paul is not talking about trying harder. He's talking about training because there's a really big difference. As we come to this year, I, I love this quotation from a preacher named Philip Brooks. We will never become truly spiritual by sitting around and wishing it were so. 
So I guess it's not enough for us to approach this and go, I wish I was more spiritual. I wish I was more Christ-like. I wish the right things come out of me. Also, I'd say another point. You're not going to make progress by just walking out of this building today and say, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to gut it out. How many of us have been there? If I hear a very convicting lesson and I, I walk out and I go, man, I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. And despite all my ability to try, I can't make it. And that's why this concept of training is so important. If you want to be changed, you need to exercise what we're going to call today spiritual disciplines, spiritual exercises. You see, if the U.S. Olympic Committee were to call you today and say, we've been studying everybody in America and their body type and how you're built and your DNA, and and we have decided that you have the perfect body type to win the 100-meter race at the Olympics, the sprint at the Olympics. And in July 26, 2024, the Olympics will kick off the Summer Olympics in Paris, and we think you need to be on the U.S. team. That's awesome. But I don't care how your body's built, how prepared you are. If all you do is just wish you could win the race, you won't do it. If you just try harder, no. What you're going to have to do between now and July 24th of 2024 is you're going to have to train. You're going to have to put yourself in disciplines that will help the body God gave you to perform. And my friends, listen to me. God is telling you this morning, you have everything you need to be who God wants you to be. You've got the Holy Spirit to mold you. You can, you, can, you can be like Jesus. When life squeezes you, he can come out. But it's not going to happen by just wishing it were so. It's not even going to happen if you just get out and try it. You'll just be frustrated. That's why he says you need to train yourself to be godly. Give yourself to spiritual exercises that will make you who you ought to be. And so this morning, I want to just talk a little bit about these spiritual exercises and what they do. You see... Spiritual training has great benefits. Did you see that line Paul said? They have benefits for this life and the life to come. Guys, here's what you got to understand as I start talking. I'm I'm, going to challenge you pretty hard today. The goal is not these spiritual disciplines. They are the means to the goal, right? You see, you don't do these exercises. You don't go to the gym just to go to the gym and check that off your list. You don't bench press just to bench press. You, you do a variety of different exercises because you hope in the long run they're going to make you healthier. And when it comes to spiritual disciplines, the goal is not just for you to read your Bible and pray. The goal is for that to transform you. In fact, let's listen to that passage one more time, and this time out of the message translation. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. That's one thing that kills so many of us church people is we argue endlessly about dumb things that really don't matter. And and, and Paul would say, that's not going to help you grow. Here's what will help you grow. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts at the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so. Listen to this. Making you fit both today and forever And he says this, if you didn't get it, you can count on this. So let's look at quickly at just some some personal disciplines. Um, There's a list here. Here's nine. You could get a a longer list, but these are the traditional personal disciplines that you can read about. And all of these are so important for you to practice in your life. Sometimes we get tired of the answer to every spiritual problem. Someone will say is, I need to read my Bible and pray more. And it gets sort of old, but the truth is, 
that's pretty foundational. The reason it's said over and over is because it's actually true. And in my life, when I've added that, le- that right discipline of meditation where I really dive into the Word of God, spend some time in that, but before I run into prayer, I meditate on what God said, then it changes my prayer life. You look at all those, and those are very useful disciplines. Let me give you some resources. They're listed there in your copy of Lifelines that can help you. First of all, probably the classic book on spiritual disciplines is Celebration of Disciplines by Richard Foster. Now, that's a very deep book, but really, really good. If you're looking for something a little bit lighter but also helpful, here's my favorite, The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. Find that book. It'll really help you. If you need something even lighter, listen to a message series I did a couple years ago, all right? The elders asked me to talk about spiritual disciplines, and we can't believe it's been four years ago. It was called The Master Studio. You can go to landmark.church, and you can find that and listen to that. Or I don't know if you know this, but every member of our church has been bought a membership in Right Now Media. If you don't know how to get onto it, call the church office and we'll help you. But this is like a spiritual Netflix, and there's all kinds of different lessons about spiritual growth and spiritual disciplines. And that's really, really important. But what I want us to look at today, even more than that, are what I'm going to call community disciplines. What are the things that we do together? You see, this past Wednesday, Dan talked about it earlier. It's, it's one of my favorite days at Landmark ever. And as we, we fasted through breakfast and lunch, had a great soup dinner over in the Life Center. Really appreciate Gail Durden organizing that. And then we gathered in here for really an intense time of prayer. It was awesome. And guys, there's something Scripture says about doing those spiritual disciplines together. Uh, The Scripture says where two or three people come together and cry out in my name, something powerful happens. And so this morning, I want to present to you what I call the Landmark Family Five. What are the expectations of being a part of this church? Because... Guys, listen to this. This is pretty, pretty profound. The leadership of this church, your shepherds will one day give an account for your soul. So they take this pretty seriously. And, and there's some things that they want to encourage you as family expectations. I know when my kids were young and growing up, when Stephanie fixed a meal and we were at the table. I don't you love that southern word, fixed. She fixed that meal. We, we didn't have some of the kids, you know, in the den watching TV and others playing video games. No, if mom fixed the meal, we all sat down together. It was, a great, it was a great family expectation. If we woke up on Saturday and dad said it's time to do chores, some of them are out raking the yard while others are inside watching cartoons. That's just not the way it happens. Any good family has some expectations of behavior. And what I want you to know this morning is when you're looking for a church or you're part of a church, you better find a church that's got some expectations. Because you want a church that that says, you know what, this is serious business. We want to help our members grow, and we want to grow together. And so this morning, I've I've tried to boil it down because every Landmark 101, we go through these things that we go, this is what expected. We'll tell you what Landmark will provide for you, and here's what we expect out of you as a member of this church. Today, I want to say it to all of us. I've tried to find a way to say it, and I love this Landmark Family Five. Number one is worship gatherings. We have an expectation that you be here. Man, when I was listening to that song we just sang, I thought, man, not only is that beautiful, but worship transforms you. 
When you put yourself into worship, guys, it's more than just checking a box. It's transformative. And God's people from the beginning met together. Hebrews 24 says one of the first signs of spiritual apostasy is when you stop, Hebrews chapter 10, you stop going to church. And so worship gatherings are important. We put a lot of time into that. And let me just say bluntly to you, if every Sunday morning you've got to wake up and decide whether you're going to church or not, you're probably going to be in trouble. But because Satan's always going to find some kind of barrier in excuse because he knows great things happen when God's people gather and worship together. The second is Bible study. Do you recognize this? In the New Testament, almost all Bible study was community. The letters are just being written. Nobody could say, hey, go home and read this in your Bible because the New Testament is just being written. But they would bring these letters to church and they would study them together in community. And the most effective Bible study, my friends, is when we come together and we watch out for each other and we search the scriptures and we sharpen each other. And we say, you know, I see it this way. I see it this way. What's the best way to to interpret the scripture? And so, guys, you know, well, maybe you don't know. I want to tell you about something new we're doing this year. At 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, we do something called Bible study. All right? (laughs) Thank you, Jeremy, for laughing. Everybody else is looking mad at me. We do something called Bible study. And guys, I'm telling you, we, we've got some of the most incredible Bible teachers I know of. And, and I want to challenge you. Guys, all, all you got to do is get here an hour early. And you're going to be able to have 45 minutes of great Bible study. And that's just transformative. You see, um, I want to especially talk to you with small children. My goodness, your kids are going to be inundated by so many evil messages from this world. You're not going to be able to completely shelter them. And for the life of me, I can't understand why you don't have your kid in Bible study on Sunday morning. Because your kids, not, not just your kids, but you and I, we need to be getting as much of Scripture as we can in our life. And that's the time we do it together as a church. That's an expectation we have. Number three, you know, we make a big deal here about small groups. Why do you make a big deal? Because that's what happened in the early church when it was exploding. Acts 20, verse 20, they met in the temple courts, and they met from house to house. And guys, I've just told you, I think something really powerful happens in this assembly that can happen other places. But I also believe there's something that happens in a small group setting when you're sitting in someone's living room and you're sharing the ups and downs of life and you're praying together and you're diving into Scripture and saying, this is what it means for my life. That's something that happens there that doesn't happen here. And we, without apology, say, we don't want to be a church that simply does small groups. A lot of churches do. We want to be a small group church. And for you to experience Landmark at its best and to grow at your best. I believe you need to be in a small group. This week I did a celebration service for a dear sister, Ellen Record. And Ellen, 76 years old when she passed away, miss her already. But something that really hit me talking to her family, preparing, was how much her life group meant to her. I mean, she wanted either Gary Henry or Tom Harbin to lead prayer to service because they were her life group leaders. Because that's where she stayed connected to this church. So I challenge you today, you can look for a small group. And then number four expectation is, let me go back to small groups for a second. We have two types of groups in this church, all right? On Sundays, basically, we have groups that meet in home called life groups. They're really powerful. 
On Wednesday nights, we have this building, every class in this building filled with some kind of what we call adult Bible community, ABC groups. And and our challenge as a leadership, we know you can't do everything, but at least be a part of one of those kind of groups. Some of you will choose to do both, but at least find one because we want someone to know when you're hurting. And sometimes in this big church, we can't figure that out. And then you see a couple more disciplines here is family service. I know all of us want to be out in our community serving and serving our neighborhood and serving our families. That's beautiful. But there's something about when we serve together. Dan says almost every Sunday morning when we give together, we can do together what none of us can do on our own. And that's the beauty of us serving together. 1 Corinthians 12, when, when Paul talks about the church being a body, he talks about every part being important. Church is not going to be Jesus if it's just one person out there. A lot of times we say something, I, I say it, let's go out and be Jesus. Well, that, that's true to a point, but biblically it's never really talked about as an individual. It's talked about as the combined body of Christ. That when we serve together, some of us with more visible parts, some of us more behind the scenes parts. All of us with different abilities and gifts from God, when we all use those, then Jesus lives in our community. It's a challenge. If you're not involved in the service of this church, man, find your place. And then the, the next challenge is financial generosity. Now, this is one we really, we don't talk about a lot. Many of us don't really want to talk about it much. But let me tell you, biblically, it's, it's a big deal because it's not, guys, just we need money so this church runs. You guys have been so generous. This church is so blessed. It is about that, but that's not what it primarily is about. What it's primarily about is it's a hedge in your life against materialism. You know, when you, when you give off the top of your income, and biblical standard, you know, throughout the Old Testament was tithing. When you give at least a tenth off the top, what you're saying is, God, you come first. You say, well, how big a deal is this, buddy? I mean, you know, what are you saying here? Let me tell you what Scripture says. Scripture says, when you don't give the way you should, Malachi chapter 3, you are robbing God. And here's the promise of Scripture, guys, is you can't outgive God. Now, you look over these five areas. Now, let me remind you before we continue to move on. These five things are not the goal. It's not for you just to check off the landmark family five. The goal is for these things to be spiritually transformative to you, that when you give yourself over to these disciplines, that we are changed. So as you look through these, let me say, first of all, in our culture today, this is not easy, not even very popular. Why? Because when you start dealing with people, it's hard. It's a lot easier when it's just me and Jesus. Because we we all have issues, right? And and we all can be challenging. Uh, They're difficult people in every church. You say, I don't know anybody difficult here at Landmark. Well, let me just go and tell you. It must be you then. (laughs) All right? Every church has difficult people, all right? And sometimes, guys, if I can be honest with you, we, we try to stay away from that. We're like, man, if I could just get my own little group out here with just my little cool people that are like me, then it'd be really, really great. Let me, let me just be clear. We're not trying to build a country club. The, the beauty of God's church is its diversity. And that means sometimes I'm going to be in a group of people where somebody's going to get on my nerves. And I guarantee you, they'll be, I'll be getting on their nerves sort of like I'm doing you right now. I mean, it's going to happen, all right? 
Because how do we become more Christ-like? Because the thing we love about Jesus is he loved everybody. He loved the scandals. He loved the, the sinners. And guys, we don't become that way. If I just surround myself with people that are think and look and act just like me, I become more Christ-like as I surround myself with people that it stretches me to love them like it stretched Jesus to love people around him. And so you look for these things. So these are not easy. There's actually some people today who claim that they don't believe in organized religion. They don't really believe in church, okay? I get that would be easier, but I got a question to ask. What Bible are you reading? I mean, you just can't read it without seeing the importance of the church that Jesus built. It's hard work, but it's a blessing. You see, because here, here's our problem in our culture today, if I could boil it down to. We, we are a completely feeling-based culture. Feel like I do if I don't feel like I don't do it. Because, listen, th- think where that would get you. If you did everything you felt like, where would you be today? I can tell you where I'd be. I'd be in jail. <laughs> don't ask me specifics. It might involve you. But, I mean, I would be, I, I mean, if, if all of us just did what we felt like, we'd be in trouble, guys. So, you, listen to me. This would really, if God just, can I just vent for a second? I hear so many people making decisions that have nothing to do with Scripture. I just don't like that, or it doesn't feel right to me, or I just, you know. That's, that, that, that's not the way we live our life. We live our life based on truth, and truth is revealed to us through Scripture. And so there are times I've got to do things, honestly, I just don't feel like. But the promise is when I give myself to those things, then God can transform me. Because listen to me, I've called these landmarks family expectations, I would beg you to look in Scripture. I think they're God's expectations. Because listen to me, guys. Please listen to me. God doesn't want this church just to be a place you attend. We're thrilled you're here. Some of you are brand new here. God, we thank God for that. God wants this to be your family. That takes time. But listen, that's not even the goal. The goal is that you and I become like Jesus, that we become Christ-like, And so that's a whole different standard for us as a church. And when we give ourselves to these five things, that's how God begins to change us. Now, let me ask a question I asked a a couple months ago. I I can't even find my spoon. Someone gave me a spoon earlier. Where is it? Oh, it's it's back there. Okay. Y'all know Linda Segris? I was preaching sort of hard a few months ago, and so she, she brought me by a gift the next week. And I, I, I talked about this preacher I loved growing up named Alan Bryan, and everybody called him the spoon of the brotherhood because everywhere that man went, man, I heard him preach, man, he stirred things up, all right? And, and so this morning, I, I'm okay stirring some things up. Y'all okay with that? Because, guys, here's the question I want to ask you. I can spank you, all right? Here's the question I want to ask you. If everybody in our church did what you do, what kind of church will we have? See, some of us want to be part of a great church. We just don't want to be part of the, the, issue, the, the, the solution. So I challenge you with these family five. When it comes to small groups, just find, you can find a life group, an ABC group. Just find one group. We're not asking you to do everything. So I challenge you on that. So let's just say this as we start closing. It's easy to start the year this way. Remember the picture I showed you of the gym? Any of you seen that over the last week? 
If you're consistent in the gym, what do you say when you walk in and you see this? Here's what I say. Wait till mid-February, and it's going to look like this. <laughs> I guarantee you, by mid-February, because it's so easy to start with this enthusiasm and this conviction. And guys, spiritually, it's the same way as physically. It's so easy for me just to say these things and just go, yeah, that's right. Let's do better. Let's try harder. But here's what it's going to take. It's going to take discipline. What is discipline? Discipline means I give up something I want, okay, for something I want more. And so I close with two questions for you. Question one, what is your next step? I mean, you you look over these things, man. Some of you are brand new here. Now, you, you just started coming to church first time in your life, and you're showing up once a month. Can I challenge you? Start coming every week. Some of you have been here at Landmark, and, you know, you're, you're part of worship, but you've never gotten in Bible study or a small group. Could I challenge you over the next week to, to look into that? Some of you, look, I do pretty good on this thing, but I tell you what I've been holding back. I've been holding back my wallet. I'm not trusting God in that, and I challenge you to stretch yourself in that. But here's the deal. Everybody in here, including myself, has a next step. What's your next step? We're not all the same level. We're not all going to be at the same maturity. But we've raised before you this morning what we call the Landmark Family Five, which is the expectations of what it means to be a part of this family. What's your next step? You've got to be specific. If not, it's going to be just like all the folks at the gym that aren't going to be there in three weeks. Now, here's the the question we don't normally ask that I'd like to ask today. What will you cut? You see, our problem is, guys, most of you don't oppose what I'm saying. Listen, I want want you to hear my heart. I wish I didn't believe this. It'd be a lot easier not caring about who comes to Bible class or who doesn't or who's in small group, but I'm just telling you, and if you could disprove me, please do it. I believe this. I believe this. But here's most of our problem is, in modern culture, our lives are so stinking busy. And guys, what what Satan will do, you've heard me say this line, fill it in. If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you what? Busy. Say it with me. If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And so we, we don't mean to, but my life gets so full of all these activities that, that slowly but surely the things of God are sort of crowded out of my life. So in order for us to do this, if we really be honest, for most of us anyway, is, is we're going to need to cut something. Because you, you, you can't do what culture asks you to do, just add and add and add and add. That's, that's why we're running ragged. So it might even be something good you got to cut out of your life. Something good going on even with your children. Sometimes we're sort of forced into this. Two weeks ago, I woke up one morning and my phone wouldn't work. It said no service. And so I, I called Verizon, couldn't get it fixed. Went to the Verizon store. They tried to put a new card in it. They did everything. It wouldn't, they just couldn't, they couldn't fix it. It was, it was, it was just dead. And so they said, man, you can get you an iPhone 13, not even a 14, iPhone 13, if you'll pay us $20 a month for the next three years. And I'm like, no way, guys. I, I, I don't need to spend that kind of money. They said, well, you've been with us long enough. We can give you a replacement phone. 
So he promised me by the next day I would get a replacement phone. Well, I didn't actually get it for four more days and a lot of hassle. And so now, guys, if you want to see it, I've got this beautiful iPhone 7 Plus. <laughs> Dude, I am leading the tech journey, all right? But you know what? I learned some things during those four days. Now, first of all, I stay on the phone a lot. And I can't say I didn't miss it. But there were some things that were really awesome. Or you could just sit and focus on a conversation or even a TV show or your quiet time. You know, the average American looks at their phone 96 times a day. That's about every 10 minutes. So it's really hard to have uninterrupted time because of this phone. It's something I've learned that I must do is I need more times to set my phone over to the side and be uninterrupted. That's something I could cut sometimes so that I could focus on the things that are really important. And this morning I'm saying to you, you need to find something that you're going to cut in order to give your life to the things that really, really matter. Because guys, this is when the church is going to become the most exciting place in this community. It's when we're all growing together. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. In fact, we know each other's flaws. But I look across the aisle and I go, man, I remember when she came forward last week, man, I see her working on it. Oh, man, I see this young man that was baptized a couple weeks ago. There he is right there, Brady. And seeing him grow, thank you for the wave, Brady. I mean, you just, you, you see those things. And you got, you're in a life group with somebody and you go, man, they were coming consistently now. And you begin to, we all begin to grow together. Nobody's perfect, we're okay with that. But we're all growing together. We're all helping each other. And nobody's out here trying to do it by yourself because you can't. It's really exciting. And we begin to give ourselves to these disciplines. And we begin to fill our life with Jesus. And before long, guys, we're out in the community and life always does it. It's going to squeeze you. Sorry, Donna. Okay. It's... It's, uh, there are machines that suck this up. All right. I mean, life is going to squeeze you. And here's the question is, guys, what can come out? And the choice you have today of what comes out is what are you going to give yourself to? And so this morning, we're about to sing again. And it's while we're singing, if, if today, like the young lady who came forward in first service, you need to say, there's some stuff I've got to cut out of my life because I want to give my life to the most important things. Because most of us don't choose to act this way. I, I like what Andy Stanley says. Andy Stanley says that we drift toward what is bad. We plan toward what is good. So guys, to get yourself to a point where you're not exercising spiritual disciplines and you're almost not involved in church, that doesn't take much effort. It just is going to slowly drift. But to be who you need to be, and what we're calling upon all of us today, is to actually to make some plans about what we're going to do. And give yourself to those. And understanding those aren't the goal. It's like Zacchaeus. We wouldn't say the most important things about Zacchaeus is that he climbed that tree. That was cool. That's what we remember about him. But climbing the tree is like a spiritual discipline. What did Zacchaeus do? He put himself in a position where he could encounter Jesus. Zacchaeus couldn't save himself. He couldn't change himself. But Jesus could. And guys, the things we're talking about today, they're not the goal. They're climbing the tree. They're just putting yourself in a position where Jesus can change you. 
if today before this church, you need to commit yourself to be a part of this family, or today you're ready to follow Jesus, it's awesome. Come right now while we stand and sing.